Jay right in your face. Welcome back to episode number. Is it number seven? Number Kyle Lowry? Kyle of Lowry. season two <laughs> of the fadeaway. My name is Fatty, and alongside me today. Oh man, I'm I'm really running out of names here. Like it's <laughs> it's getting real difficult, but we're going with Wilt Zaidberlin. How you doing? <laughs> that might be the worst. Bro, ever, I'm bro. stretching hard. I'm stretching, man. I, I'm sorry. Oh, What's going right. on, man? Nothing, man. Chilling. Getting closer to Christmas. Oh yeah. Uh, I keep seeing like this twelve dunks of Christmas thing uh, online. They show like a, a, yeah. a, a great dunk every every day until Christmas, so that gets you excited for Christmas. Raptors have a Christmas Day special this year. Oh yeah, for the first time. For the first time in 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 Raptors history, so that's a huge deal. But um, yeah, who, who's who's not excited for the holidays? Well, actually, funny you say that because at work I was talking to somebody and it was like some guy who came into the branch and I said, "Merry Christmas, sir." Oh no. He's like, "Happy holidays." Nah. I was like, "Come on, bro." Merry Christmas, bro. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> nah, you're not gonna do that. But um, huge, huge week again in basketball. A lot of things. About I mean. Everybody on this, uh, who's ever listened to this podcast, knows how I feel about Luka Doncic. No, uh, so we're going to talk about no. that in a little bit. Uh, but a uh, huge, huge week. But we actually have a very, very special guest on deck today. Every guest is special. Every guest is special, Every but guest. this one is like the closest we'll ever get to like basketball in here. Like maybe the, yeah. This I is mean, like when you not. when you talk about like a basketball like legend. Like and I and I always tell her this all the time, and she's just kind of like. Yo, shut up. She's like, coughing. Yeah, she's, she's humble. She's But like, it, it is what it is. Like, we know. Um, she's going to introduce herself and just tell a little, us a little bit about her background. But um, I want to introduce you guys to the one and only Michaela. Hi. What's up? How are you? Good. I'm great. I'm I need great. you to give me a lesson on how to pronounce your last name, please. Because I wasn't sure if it was like Richie or. You're good. It's Rache. Rache? Okay, okay. Yeah. So Michaela Riche, basketball legend, Canadian basketball legend mm-hmm. in the building. Um, so just before you get into to your story, Zaid, how I met Michaela. Actually, Michaela and I work together currently. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry, Michaela. Uh-uh. No, she doesn't, she doesn't have to deal with me like directly. We just work for the same company name. Yeah. Uh, but we're sort of in a different, like in our different lines of business. But we met at the summer barbecue. And we were just talking about like everything, and then ended up talking about basketball. And then she told me a bit about her story, and I've just been infatuated, man. I feel like I'm—it's a real life celebrity, even though she tells me <laughs> she's not. I'm still—I'm telling everybody I meet. So, um, without further ado, Michaela, um, tell us a little bit about about yourself, and uh, firstly, where you started out playing basketball and your journey uh, growing up in the Canadian basketball system. Awesome! Thank you for having me. Um, it's our pleasure. I started playing basketball, honestly, because my older brother was playing and he would go to hotels and eat at restaurants and I wanted to do that. Do that. And I was tall. So it worked out. Um, <laughs> how, how tall are you? Just for our guests. 6'2". Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, you picked the right sport. Pardon me? You picked the right sport. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I, so I played in high school at Louis Riel. We won OFSA when OFSA was a thing instead of prep schools. Um, and, uh, I played with the national team my senior year of high school. And then I went to the university of Minnesota for four years. Uh, I was lucky enough to play there all four years. And then I graduated, went to Kansas state university, uh, where I was a graduate assistant and, um, coordinator of recruiting operations for three years. 
And then my paperwork didn't go through uh, after the Trump election, believe it or not. So that got messy. Um, I had to leave. So I went to Greece. I played for one year. Um, and now I've been back in Canada since. Uh, definitely enjoying being close to home, being a little more settled down and uh, figuring out what's next in life. Okay, that's cool. But So you were saying that, is, was it right after the Trump thing? Like, was that a coincidence or was he like a part of the reason your papers didn't go through? Yeah, because I was on a student visa because I was doing okay. my master's. And then my third year there was an OPT, which is an extension to the student visa that allows you a year of like full-time work. Um, but I had to apply for the H-1B, which is what gets you really in the door because that's five years. And then from there, you can apply for a permit and all that stuff. Um, and that's what didn't go through. And it was right around the time of the election. I think there was some rules changed. Uh, it just got a lot more difficult. But myself and some other Canadians had to come back to Canada because we didn't have paperwork anymore. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that. But it sounded like you had a pretty pretty good career in the states while you were there 100 percent, 100 so how was that process like of finding a team to play for in you said greece right yeah so how did that work how did you find a team to play for do you have like do you actually have like an agent and stuff like that or how, how did that work yeah it was um it was interesting because i hadn't played for three years right i was coaching so to hop back in and say i want to go play pro uh it was definitely tough but i was lucky enough to be at great facilities and i had access to great coaches and great resources um but yes i contacted one of the agents that tried uh getting me to play pro when i graduated from minnesota and we had just kept in touch throughout the years i was sending him players because i was coaching um and then eventually he helped me out when the time came and i was able to get a contract in greece Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Where were you in Greece? Uh, Thessaloniki. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm so, not sure I've ever heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, it was north. It, uh, Athens is at the south and Thessaloniki is at the north. It got way colder than I ever thought it would be in Greece. <laughs> really? Like, like, how cold are we talking? Um, I, I don't think it snowed ever, but it was definitely, like, really cold and really rainy. Okay. Yeah. I, so, I'm originally from Egypt. It was right across the Mediterranean from yeah. Greece. And people tell me it gets, like, super cold in Egypt, but their definition of cold is, like, oh, say it's, like, 10 degrees Celsius, but the issue is the homes there don't have any insulation, so there, uh, there's no warming of the house. So it does actually get really cold, but it's not climate cold. Yeah. So I don't know if that was, like, the, the same idea as Greece. I just remember being, like, dang, I should have packed differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk, to us, talk to us a little bit, Mikhail, about, like, when did you know you were nice? Like what? Like at what time? At what age were you like okay? Like I'm pretty nice, and like I I can probably play in college. Like obviously, growing up in Canada, I'm sure you know uh, more than anybody. Uh, trying to compete in the states, yeah. we're we're almost like shunned from the basketball community in that sense. It's a lot more difficult for a Canadian basketball player to make a name in American basketball. Would you agree? Yes. To a certain extent, I think we're gaining more respect now, and a lot of players that are coming up are definitely of the caliber of U.S. basketball, but a lot of kids on the flip side don't really see, because they think they're a big fish in their pond, but they don't see how many other ponds there are slash the ocean. So, Fair it, enough. Uh, yeah, it's definitely tough, but Canadians are getting more recognition, and there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of great athletes. There's a lot of good coaching. Uh, so we're definitely... Um, we're making some good strides. Huge. Yeah. And so tell us about that journey, though. When did you, like, find out 
okay, yo, I'm nice. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna compete and I'm gonna kick some ass on here. So, um, I remember a high school game. My mom told me that I got like 12 points. It was in the newspaper, and I was so excited. I was like, Oh my god, I have 12 <laughs> points! <laughs> <laughs> and then I started getting like just the generic mail from Denver. That was the first wow. school that ever sent me uh, mail. And then from that point on, it kind of built. But I played with Team Ontario one summer, and we went to Tournament of Ch- uh, Champions in Nike in Chicago. And okay. uh, after that tournament, I got a lot of phone calls and a lot of mail. And then my recruitment just kind of picked up from there. So That's just, cool. Yeah. Did it get crazy? Like, was it all, like, just a whirlwind of different yeah. offers and schools and recruiters and coaches at the same time? Yeah, it was definitely a lot. Um, and now like in the recruiting game, coaches who are smaller schools won't even go after certain kids cause they know they won't get them. Right. right yeah. But back. It's a waste of their time and resources. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But back in the day that wasn't really a thing. So I had a lot of the small schools who just were still recruiting me. Um, and then I had some good ones that were big schools too. So it was a lot. I had no idea what a conference was. I had no <laughs> idea what, um, different styles of play this and that i'm really lucky i had my mom help me navigate that process and she kind of knew what to look at well to the best of her knowledge sure and abilities um did your mom play basketball at all no she didn't she was a swimmer though oh okay was it was it all via telephone or mail or is it like i mean i don't know if they'll do house visits to here or do they invite you to come out for tours yeah so uh initially it was uh mail phone calls um and then some schools came and did home visits. Uh, they obviously would come to games or they'd come to tournaments. Um, and then I did. I took two official visits, one to Minnesota, one to Florida. I really should have taken more in hindsight because there's some good schools that were recruiting me that I'm like, dang, you should have at least checked it out. Wait, you said Florida? Like Florida, Florida? Gators, yep. Like Gators, Gators Florida? Okay, Florida. Okay. Yep. Gators. So I want to I know a bit about that. So you went on campus there? Yep. So how was that? Like, how do you say no to that? I go to Minnesota. Like, it's so cold it's so in Minnesota. Cold. <laughs> First of all, Florida was freezing inside everywhere and stupid hot outside everywhere. So it was <laughs> this transition. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think just the values that I saw from the team and from the coaching staff, uh, Florida really was living up to its Florida standard and status that you would imagine <laughs> going to school in, by the beach. Um, which was nice, but that just kind of wasn't really where I was trying to go. Um, Minnesota had some good, uh, there was just a good structure. There was a good vibe with the team. The facilities were amazing. Um, it was not Cowboys and Haystacks like I thought it would be. (laughs) Yeah. That was nice too. Big city. Um, I guess that's what we're programmed to think when we think Minnesota. hundred percent. And that's what I thought of Kansas too, which Kansas was a little more like it, but Yeah, uh, yeah. Minnesota was in a big city, so um, yeah. So w- when you actually got to playing college ball, when was like, when was a moment you realized that this is the real deal? Like <laughs> somebody dropped, you know, twenty on you to someone. Oh my god! Fall. I, I actually watched some of her highlights. Yeah, she puts the work in on yeah. some people. Yo, the I'm telling <laughs> you, the, she has a nice pivot move in, in the paint, and it's like an out, out pivot fake comeback inside. <laughs> oh, it's a nice move. 
See, so but I wish it was better film in Greece because I really expanded my game in Greece. In university, okay, so to go answer your first question, mm-hmm. my first practice, dude, like, university ball uppercuts you. Kids think they know what they're getting into. Like, uh-uh. It's just an entire other level. Your sense of urgency when doing everything has to be on 100. You have to be on the same page with 12 other people, whether you like each other or not. Like, there's just a lot that goes into it that's like, okay, this is serious. Um, and, yeah, my freshman year, I think I averaged, like, seven minutes. It was terrible. Yeah. yeah, it was really hard. And you think you're hot shit coming out of high school, right? Oops, sorry. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> but, um... And then that happens. So that was tough, but um, I I was always the person to get in the gym first. I was in the gym before practice a half hour every single day and got shots up extra in the summertime and when we had days off and stuff, and eventually it paid off because uh, the girl that was starting ahead of me got injured about halfway through my sophomore year, and I got an opportunity, and mm-hmm. I was able to take advantage of it. And then from that point on, I started the rest of my career really so that's awesome well it sucks that the person was injured but the amount of times you hear this story of yeah the player who got the opportunity due to an injury yeah uh which actually is funny because we're going to talk a little bit about um your favorite player one of your favorite players uh-huh um but we're going to talk about that in a little bit i haven't told zayd yet and he's going to be thrilled to find out because you guys all have that in common um but before we sort of dive into like the basketball talk uh, just tell me a little bit more about um, just all in all, like, you know, the journey from going to or going from rather being a player, obviously playing in, in Europe. And then I think you mentioned to me that you were doing some recruitment as well. And obviously in the in the beginning part of this podcast, you told us you did some coaching. So talk about that transition. Like, how, how was that for you? Yeah, it's definitely difficult right now because um, I've been just doing full time high-level basketball for the last I don't know how many years, right? That was my job, and it was everything for the last eight or nine years. Uh, So now transitioning into uh, the corporate world, it's definitely different. Um, I'm finding new ways of incorporating basketball and staying involved as much as possible, but still, um, I don't know, moving forward in some way. And I don't know, maybe I'll go back. I don't know really what's going on right now. I'm just going with the flow. Um, but the transition has been very interesting in terms of how many things I can apply from the game to work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think being able to have been blessed enough to learn all of those lessons through basketball at a high level and surrounded by good mentors and good teammates, um, it's made the transition easier because I had people teaching me how to be professional from the time I was a player. Right. And it's okay. uh, it's just having a different level of discipline and different level of focus. And you can apply it in a lot of things. So the transition is smooth. Um, I'm missing basketball a little bit sometimes, but just kind of trusting yeah. the process in terms of uh, where that goes. And uh, yeah, finding ways to contribute to the game in whichever ways that I can. Awesome. And uh, just to wrap up sort of your journey, what is the coolest experience you had like basketball experience you had throughout your entire journey um wow Uh, must be must be nice to have like so many that (laughs) you can you you don't don't know which one is (laughs) i'm just gonna have to say accumulation of all the trips 
just because of Thanksgiving yeah. was uh, Virgin Islands or Mexico or this or that. And just uh, being able to be on both sides of that, both on the trips as a player and as a coach, um, and the memories with all of the people, mm-hmm. uh, that those would probably be something that I'm not taking for granted. That was really special. So, yeah, best blessings through basketball would be traveling the world with nice. awesome people. Yeah. That is def- definitely cool and yeah, really envious to be very, <laughs> very honest with you there. Um, okay, so let's talk about basketball because a lot of stuff uh, was happening around the league um, in the last week or so. And it, it, we actually say that every podcast, but really everything does happen in that in one week, week span yeah. where we're not on here talking. So um, before we dive into you know too much of that, let's talk about Michaela's or one of Michaela's favorite players. So we were talking and then I asked her, like, you know, what what would you consider, you know, one of your favorite players? And let's keep in mind her journey and how, you know, she got her opportunity when somebody yeah. was injured and then, you know, started every year after that. Who would it be then? Who would it be? So he's on the Brooklyn Nets. Think about somebody who's injured and then who's getting an opportunity in his position. So Spencer. Spencer Dimity? Michaela? Yes. Yes, but dude, he's nasty. I love Dinwiddie. You see the, you see the poster and in front so of Tobias, everybody, bro. Everybody's got like their own, like their team that's not Toronto. Yeah, and uh, he is my his is the Brooklyn. My Nets. mine was Brooklyn last year, and then now obviously they changed because I, I really like D'Angelo and I liked Karis Levert. I liked Pen- Spencer Dinwiddie. I really then, like Karis. Yes, Karis, he's really really good. And then now they had that whole major overhaul where they got KD and and Kyrie. Yeah, uh, they changed up the whole team, and and then. D'Angelo left, so I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not so much on that Brooklyn train anymore. Yeah. Um, but Spencer Dimity, man, like, when you talk about, like, stepping up, taking over, you know, the, the responsibilities of a, of, a, of a team, putting everything on your shoulders, like, he's ca- he's he's carrying their team, he's leading their team so well, and then you have the two best players out, and then you have Karis LeVert out as well. Yeah. What, he, what he's doing is, is, is incredible. Yeah. Karis LeVert has been out. Like I know. <laughs> ever now, my goodness, come back to us. <laughs> but then, so then, what do you think? Do you think when Kyrie comes back, you move Dinwiddie back to the bench? I don't know, but with a guy playing like that, you got to give him quality minutes. Well, like, how do you do that with Kyrie? Is Kyrie that's the question? He doesn't pass the like he he doesn't play that brand of basketball. He passes the ball, and he, even if he does get quality minutes, his so, role is still minimized. Actually, you know what? I'm glad that I have an actual basketball player on here because I want to hear from a basketball player's opinion because what drives me crazy, Mikhail, is when I see stuff like, um, you know, the, the nuts are like, I think they're seven games above 500. I think they're like 12 and five without Kyrie and they're four and seven with Kyrie, mm-hmm. but every professional basketball player or, you know, a basketball head who's, you know, somebody who may not be in the NBA, but played, uh, you know, a very knowledgeable person in the sport will always tell you they're, they're better, better off when Kyrie's on the court. But, like, how? Can somebody explain that to me? I just – maybe my eyes are just doing me wrong because I've never, like, competed At on that level. level but <laughs> I, I just don't know how you can quantify that when everything points towards them playing better with Spencer at the, at the realm, helm. Yeah, Um I think a part of that is maybe Kyrie's still finding his rhythm in this new team, in this new program. Um, but he's a quality player. You have to have him on the floor. You know what I mean? The game, the game's going to change. The dynamics are going to change. Um, you can see it 
w- whenever there's a new lineup on, whenever there's a different lineup on, right? It's it's a different flow to the game, and and players find their their rhythm with each other. Uh, I think right now at this point, it's just Kyrie finding that rhythm, and it's still early in the season. Um, I think they're both great options. I think Dinwiddie's a great mismatch because he's tall. He's really tall. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, and they're just different players, right? For sure, they're different players, but. Either way, I can say that I really like Dinwiddie uh, running this team right now. I was going to say, and then Zayd, as a fan, like, what's your take on all this? Like, do you agree that they're a better team with Kyrie at the at the point running the offense, or are you more of a Spencer guy? I know you like I mean, Spencer. I like That's Spencer, but, like, man, like, I, it, it's hard to say they're better with without Kyrie. Like, Kyrie's a, he's an all, he's, a, he's, he's not, uh, maybe not a superstar, but he's a star. I like mean, how do you just take people up? consider him to be a superstar. It's definitely not out of the ordinary. definitely not out of the ordinary. But yeah. he's at least a, he's at the very least a star. So how do you say, oh, without the star, we're better? Maybe you play a better brand of basketball, a better team brand of basketball. That might help. And I think if you get Kyrie to buy into that kind of basketball, because when you when we saw him playing, like he was playing like playground type basketball. You know, like let me dance, let me yeah. let me let me show my moves off, and then let me pull up, let me take it to the to the yeah. hole, whatever it may be. Yeah. So. It's hard for me to say they're better, but do I think you move Spencer Dinwiddie to the bench when he comes back? I honestly, I think no. I think you try to start him. I think you, especially with Karis Lever always being injured and always and having to work himself back into the lineup. I think you bring Karis Lever off the bench, yeah, and you play a little bit of a, a combo guard game where you have Kyrie and Spencer both handling the ball, both bringing up the ball, both running up the running the offense. There's definitely room for him in the lineup. And to go oh, with what you oh, yeah. said, he's more efficient than Kyrie because Kyrie does yes. to play around with it. Yeah, yeah, and not just that, but also I feel like time of possession for Dinwiddie's a little bit less. Uh, but honestly, interestingly enough, when you compare their usage and their assists and all their numbers are essentially identical numbers. Mm. It's just the effect of playing alongside a Dinwiddie. I feel like guys, when they play alongside Kyrie, um, I think he expects a lot from guys. And we saw it a little bit in Boston with his conflict with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart constantly saying, you know, these young guys don't know what it need, you know what what it's like to win. What it's like to win and, win, and, and yeah. what it takes. And he could be coming at these guys and they're just, you know, maybe not motivated or I, I don't know if you've ever had this situation, but like earlier on when you let's say when you were in starting and you were playing those seven minutes a game, every minute you were on the court, you were probably hella nervous, like I can't screw up because my my opportunity is seven minutes and if i screw it up then then what it becomes three minutes then yeah. is it really worth what i'm doing here so being on the court with a guy who's going to call you out and say you're not ready and this is that can make a guy nervous especially when brooklyn's comprised of a whole lot of guys that are looking for a contract are looking yeah. for a place yeah. in the league you know like joe harris uh yeah. karis laver spencer Dinwiddie. these are all guys who um and jared allen as well they're all Jared-Allen guys prince who, yeah, you know, Torian Prince. They're, they're like, young, I listened to Torian Prince podcast. That guy was homeless. Did you know that? No. Oh, wow. He was, living, yeah. he was living on the streets with his dad. He would go to school, go back to the shelter, and that was his journey. Dang. And, like, wow. guys like that who just came from nothing and, and they're now, like, they have to grind to get their way to where they are. But they weren't All-Americans. They weren't McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. They weren't, you know, in those top games and, and top recruits. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Torian Prince went to university for four years. So it's not. Like the Baylor. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, it's. It's a different grind, and especially if you're playing with a guy like Kyrie. But I feel like when Spencer is running the show and they all can relate because they all had that similar journey, it's like when I watch the Raptors. 
Like when when Kyle Lowry went out with injury, everyone's like, "Oh, Kyle Lowry, you know, injured. We're gonna go down missing twenty. No. And then you get Freddie the ball, and now everyone's yeah. everyone's playing for each other. James takes Tar- such different dynamics with different lineups. It's really hard. To Absolutely, come. yeah. Especially and, and also defensive matchups too. Like it changes so much, and yeah, yeah, and and it's not as simple. It's not one plus one equals two. Like just because this guy's a star, I don't believe in that. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe in that. There's a lot well, of talent to go around, so it, it also comes down to just the, the the effect they have on their team. Like you say, like Kyle Lowry and and, and uh, Freddie, they're kind of the same player in their game. They know both undersized, both bigger guys, both tough guys can shoot the ball well, but it's just the energy that they bring. And then, and then a lot of it is like the the shot selection, their their decision making. They both have great decision making, but sometimes you you see Lowry go one for seven from three, and he'll keep shooting, he'll keep shooting. Freddie won't do that. You know, he'll, he'll, for 10. yeah, he'll give the ball to the teammates and, and try to work it around. So it's it's not so much about it's not always saying like, oh, this guy's a star, this guy we're better with him. It's like, what's the effect this guy's gonna have on our team? And what brand of basketball we can play together? Yeah, there's so many intangibles that we can't really take into account either, because yeah. it's demeanor, it's leadership, it's right. the vibe. Yeah, like you said, for sure. I always, I always firmly believe that players. Ex players would make the worst GMs in basketball only because I feel like more than ever players make emotional decisions. And we see that a lot with, you know, the guys who like when when they come and say like, Oh, I take Kyrie any day. It's like, Oh, I t- I do this one. You put Doc Rivers who's a former player in the president of basketball operations position, yeah, he got you a lot of big names. He got you Jamal Crawford, JJ Reddick, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. You name it. Lob City was Lob City it was popping, and then what? Yeah. It was like if you if you listen to all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes was on that team, and he talks about the demise of the team was we just had too many big names, we just yeah. had too many personalities. So it's not always a case of having, you know, the best possible lineup, uh, the best possible player in that position. Like that doesn't always work. You gotta, I mean, obviously with the exception of Golden State having. Yeah. Three superstars. Every championship team had those players that carried the intangibles. The Mike Millers for the Miami. Yeah. Even the James Jones, who a lot of people like us, like the common the NBA Shane fan, would, would make jokes yeah. about James Jones. But everybody valued him as a teammate. Shane Battier, Shane like Battier you said. Huge. So there's the guys that provide that spark that are not superstars. Yeah. But their role is so valuable. And it's actually harder to put a superstar in that position because they're not going to conform to what the team needs to win. Yeah. You know, a superstar just wants theirs. Yeah. For sure. So, enough talking about the Nets because they don't matter. Uh, I'm actually going to go to a Nets <laughs> game this weekend, so I'm I'm a little trying to get a little bit hyped. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Nets game in Brooklyn against Atlanta, so that should be fun. Uh Trey Young and hopefully Spencer Dinwiddie. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, but maybe I'll get enough uh I'll get a, lucky enough to see Kyrie. Uh but let's talk about my guy, my favorite player in the whole league, Mr. Luka Doncic, number 77. Mm-hmm. He went down with an injury. Looked a lot worse than they. He than went down with a with an it. ankle sprain. Yeah, early on in the game on I believe it was Sunday. Uh, it was like six two Saturday night. So yeah, it Saturday, was six yeah, two, yeah. and then they early? yeah yeah he got hurt. He drove they in. Went, yeah, he drove in, rolled his ankle, uh, sat out out of bounds for a little bit. They called the timeout. Yeah, he left. Timeline could be roughly two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, so we saw them that game. They went down twenty, and then they actually went into overtime. Uh, so they came back and fought, and then they beat Milwaukee, 
120 to 116 to end Milwaukee's 18 game winning streak. So a few layers that we got to unravel here. But firstly, are you shocked to see Dallas do this well um, without Luka Doncic? Mikhail, I want to go to you first. Um, no, because, and I'm assuming Luka's a good teammate. Uh, as teammates, when you have someone that you like and that you respect and that provides good leadership in their own way, you want to rally up and perform for them. Yeah. And I mean, mm. so, and I mean, people stepped up last night. KP stepped up, Curry stepped up. There was some big plays and big stops at key times. Um, and I think that they, they rallied. So I'm not surprised. It does take mental toughness and it does take, um, team chemistry and unity and et cetera, et cetera. So, Yeah. That's why it's valuable to have somebody who actually played. Because I look at it, I'm, 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 I'm sh- freaking out. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm like, like what? what? What's going on? Because you you think about it, they're going against the top one of the top two teams in the league, if not maybe the top team in the league, without the guy that runs their offense, without the guy that's a spark for their offense. He's he's dropping forty point triple doubles, thirty point triple doubles. So it's not twenty five like, five and five in over twenty three games. So it's not like he's only pass. He's not, he's only shooting the ball. He's passing. He's rebounding. Yeah. He's doing everything for them. So how do you go into a game against one of the best teams in the league? one of the best teams in the league, and then lose essentially your best guy. And then you look at it, honestly, this injury might actually be like a blessing in disguise for them because it got KP going. KP dropped 26 and, yeah, and yeah. 26 and 12, and he was pulling up from the logo. From the logo. Right? So you get him a little bit of a con- confidence boost. You know, he's not really used to being second fiddle on a team. You know, in New York, he was the, he was the guy. So that kind of, I guess, brought him back to maybe his days in New York. He, he was able to, to run the offense. Everything was going through him. So... You know, you, you get to build confidence in KP. And then you, you said it, Michaela. Seth had 26. Yeah. And then two games before, he had 30. 30, So, yeah. you know, you give him some confidence. You, he's your shooter um, on the team. And then you also have guys like um, Tim that Hardaway. That guy has shooting in his DNA. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. generational for him. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Tim Hardaway Jr., who didn't play well that game. But he's another guy who yeah. you want him to be shooting well. Delon Wright chipped in with 13. So, and then this uh, um, Finney Smith had 15. Another guy. Um, so, you, you get run for your... Your key role players. You left out my key guy, and I, the guy I actually want to talk about. Which guy? Jalen Brunson. Yeah, 13, 13 points, yeah, 11 yeah, assists. Yeah, ex- oh, 11 assists. I want to exactly, talk about yeah. Jalen Brunson as a quiet, quiet, quiet rook. Yeah. Right, so you give these guys some run, right? And you give these guys confidence booster. They beat the best team, in the, one of the best teams in the league. So you're, you're, like, yeah. you're going forward. If you're, Especially if you're Luka, you're like, this is amazing. I get yeah. two weeks off. I get to rest because you know he, he gets used up so much. And then, you get to empower your teammates. Yeah. You come back. It's like and and Luca is not the type of guy to come back and you know there's like rumblings and there's trouble. Like he comes back, he fits in seamlessly. Yep. He gets his teammates involved. He's a yep. team player. He's a team guy. And then so it, it, as 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 much as you do, as you don't want to see a guy going down with an injury. Yeah. This works as a blessing in disguise for them because they just empower their role players and their other players a lot more. A blessing in disguise as long as the role players or whoever else keep getting big numbers. So consistency is going to be a thing here. Obviously, mm-hmm. the yeah. game back, you're pumped, you're feeling good. Uh, uh, KP has a big night. You know what I mean? Curry, it's more he's, – he's been doing it, so he's capable. But um, – you got to have people step up every night because yeah. they had pretty balanced scoring, but you're going to need some big numbers from someone, and it doesn't matter who it is because a few of them can do it. But someone. Yeah, for sure. And um, before we move on, I do want to talk a little bit about Jalen Brunson because mm-hmm. he's a sleeper. Uh, so Jalen um, played, two, played uh, I believe he played four years at Villanova. He won two championships. He was on both of those championship teams. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for Villanova. He won a state championship in high school, lost two others in the finals. So he went to three states uh, in high school, two championships in college, winning at every level. Uh, His dad was a professional basketball player, coached in the NBA for a little bit. And he sort of talks about, you know, his journey and having, you know, a father who was an NBA player, was a professional basketball player, and then playing him one-on-one eventually – Losing, losing, losing to the point where he's like, now I'm like beating him on a consistent basis, you know, listening to him and differentiating between, you know, having that dad figure versus a coach figure and that he knows, you know, what's best for me. And then Luca goes down and he comes in and he's looking like a stud, making big shots, big plays. Um, I'm happy for him. Before this season, I told you Dallas was my team outside of Toronto. I mean, come um, on! They had Luca. What do you? What do you? Expect? I, and they and got KP. What do you, what do you but I've been, I told you, you, bro. I, we have the archives. <laughs> I've been talking about Dallas about Luca since about before Luka. KP even came into the mix. And KP didn't play for like eighteen months, so we didn't know where that was going. But um, happy for them, Dwight Powell, Canadian. Canadian. Shout out Dwight, uh, doing his thing in, uh, down in Dallas. Four uh, and eight. Not bad. Nice yeah, chipping no. in. It's his role. That's his role. That's his role. And, and he's a good – and his his style – he's the kind of guy that you can't really quantify his value. He's an energy guy. Yeah, like he's, he's not a guy. fantasy player. But he's he's a guy you want on your team from, yeah. an, from an energy, a defensive perspective. Uh, absolutely there. So uh, Dallas killing it. Ended that 18-game winning streak. Uh, but the top two teams right now in the, in the league are Milwaukee and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So the Lakers have won 14 straight on the road. Milwaukee won, obviously, 18 straight. Uh, Michaela, which one are you more impressed with or which one would you say is more, you know, to look out for in terms of a championship or a playoff run? Uh, both are impressive. How many of Milwaukee's games were home games out of those 18? Do we know? I don't know specifically home games, but I do know something about their schedule that I that I'm gonna talk about. Okay. Um, but continue, just t- continue yeah. your point, then we'll get into that. I mean, both take a lot of mental toughness. Uh, travel obviously takes a bit more of a toll on you, um, but now they travel very smoothly and they have access mm-hmm. to a, a lot of um, treatment and prehab, rehab, recovery options. Um, I don't know. Both are pretty impressive. Winning at home, obviously, is quote-unquote easier. Uh, I'm curious to see what it is that you have to say about their schedule. Yeah. Um, but so, I, Go ahead. Yeah, no, with every one of these situations, I like to play devil's advocate. But actually, before I get into the scheduling, I just want to hear from Zaid uh, your take on, like, which one do you look out more – which one's more impressive or which one are you more worried about as an opponent? I mean – as an opponent, as an opponent, we're Raptors fans, so you'd be worried about Milwaukee and where where they're gonna be. Um, as far as which I think, I think the Lakers are just better. You know, especially when you think about. I'm not thinking about the regular season. I think both teams are are doing really well. They're both jabbing very well. They have t- great team chemistry. But I'm thinking about the postseason. So you think about what do you need in the postseason to win, and you need stars and you need people who could take over a game. And they've and Milwaukee has Giannis. They don't quite have a second star that, you know, you can kind of can can help you get over that hump and we I saw mean, we saw last what you, chris middleton remember last year i said chris middleton was nice and you you did not like that comment he's their star he's the, i don't think he's a star so i'm saying that's what i'm he's saying their so, star though he's not a star in the league though so and you saw last year how nick nurse he found a way to minimize Gian- Giannis, right so yeah who sure. else is gonna step up well you look at the lakers 
the, the, and the, if anything, they even lost a playmaker in Brogdon too. Exactly, and he's a key, he was a key piece. And then you look at the Lakers, LeBron and AD are like they're, they're an unstoppable duo essentially. And and Crazy. and you look at how they're playing as a team. You look at the key players that they have off the bench, and you know I'm I'm kind of concerned for for Milwaukee from this standpoint because I, when I saw when I was when I saw the game um, against Dallas, they shot very poorly from the free throw line and they shot very poorly from three, and they're they might be one of those teams that might end up being. Kind Shooting of a, a, a live, yeah, a live, a live or die by the three. So they shot twenty six percent, just under twenty seven percent from three, and they shot seventy percent from the free throw line. And a lot of that is also Giannis's Giannis struggles. Free throws are terrible. right. So when you look at it, playoffs, the game slows down. You know, you you you're gonna have to learn to get open shots for your team, and you're gonna have to learn to hit free throws. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to a lot of times. Other than obviously defense and all the other um, important stuff, but so then I kind of worry it that when you shoot yourself out of a game, when you can't hit free throws in key moments. How are you going to survive in the playoffs? Yeah, for sure. So for me, I'm I'm when you look at those two teams, I'm like so. I we said last last week or a couple of weeks ago where I was sold on LA, and because like how do you go against LeBron? LeBron, he's the guy's and, the best player in the league. And not just LeBron, but they have such a good collection of veterans. Like yeah. uh, they got Rondo, Danny Green, Javale McGee, Quinn Cook, LeBron, AD. Like these guys are all vets, and they're Dwight Howard, a lot of them McGee, are yeah Dwight Howard. They're at a good age too. They're not like. They're not geezers where they're not, you know, <laughs> like T Mac on the Spurs giving you like hey, three minutes. Buddy. Sorry, I had to, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not one of those. When, and, uh, when, sorry, go ahead. When you have a really good player at the point and a really good player at the four or five position, you've it's got insane. a lot of options. Yes. You've got a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop. You can slip it. You can go in and out. You've got a lot of options with that. Essentially, when your power forward was born and bred as a point guard yeah, that right? grew from six to seven feet overnight, and then your point guard is six eight two fifty. 250? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you're at a weird uh, it's advantage crazy. there. Yeah. So, barring barring health, I I definitely think LA, the Lakers are, are the one to be. But to go back on Milwaukee's schedule, so me, I like to play devil's advocate for everything. Uh, whether I agree or disagree, I always like to provide the other perspective. So when I heard that they were on an 18-game winning streak, my mind went straight to who did they play? Who did they play? Of course. How did they get to this? Yeah. So I broke it down, and 12 guys, 12 of their 18 wins came against Chicago twice, Atlanta twice, Detroit twice, six, Cleveland twice, eight, Charlotte, New York, ten, Pelicans, Grizzlies, twelve. Those are 12. Bottom feeder teams. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to discount the fact that they destroyed the LA Clippers. Like they ate their food and that wasn't even competitive. That was an embarrassing game for for the Clippers. You know, but even the ones like the other games that I didn't mention, uh, Orlando, they beat Orlando. Orlando's a decent team. They beat Charlotte. Uh, we mentioned that a little bit. They beat Utah. Utah's up and down, but still a good team. Uh, but they even barely squeezed past that one. Uh, they beat Portland again, a decent team, uh, and then obviously the other ones we disclosed. So, and then they beat OKC, another sleeper. Well, you know what? A sleeper. sleeper. And sleeper. and I want to talk a little bit about that later, uh, because I do have to give respect out to Chris Paul uh, for what he's doing in OKC, because nobody expected that. Yeah. Uh, but again, twelve to fifteen of their games came against teams with losing records. Uh, yeah, maybe the scheduling and and don't get me wrong, Michaela. I understand it's difficult to win eighteen straight. In any in anything, eighteen straight wins. Like Giannis said it in my rookie year, we won fifteen, and now we won eighteen straight. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, like that is crazy. It's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. But when I'm comparing 
I want to look at your level of competition. I want to know who you're going up against on a nightly basis, who's challenging you, and what you're doing. Given that they are dealing with these teams and beating them by 20, they're they're doing what they need to do. They're doing their job. But the teams they're going up against are just not impressive. And the one thing we kept knocking the Lakers for early in the season is they had an easy schedule. And now they hit the road more. They're they're on the road. They're having a tougher schedule, and they're still and they're them. destroying. They're not even competing with teams. It's they're toying with them. So that's an interesting perspective. You got to always look into the 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 people. You know their competition, who they're going up against, and stuff. Yeah, and every year when we were at Minnesota and we had our schedule, there were certain games that were this is this is a win. You consider it a win. Like as long as you show up, you got your head on straight, and, and yeah. you compete. It's a win, and uh, it just sounds like they had a whole lot of those on their schedule right off the bat. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, uh, you sent me something earlier, Zay, tonight and that we saw in the news. Uh, news out of, uh, where is it, Nolens? Nolens. News Pelicans. out of Nolens? Pels. Nolens so news? officially today, as of, I mean, I saw it as of like maybe like 5.30, Drew Holiday is available, and he's on the trading block. So I was thinking. Who should go for him? Toronto Raptors. Where do you want to see him? And I was like, we should trade Kyle Lowry and get Drew Holiday. Because Drew Holiday is a guy who is yep. a glue guy. He fits in any system you put. Underrated un- defender. Underrated defender. Unselfish. Can score. Can score the ball whenever he wants. He's can run an offense. Bucket. He's a walking <laughs> bucket, bro. He's And you know how old he is? He's still 29 years old. Wow. He's still in the middle of his prime. So you trade in a 33-year-old Kyle Lowry. I think it is for yeah. a 29 year old Drew Holiday. You're essentially just turning back the clock on your point guard position, um, and then you just get a guy who's a team guy. So now it comes down to who are the Raptors going to be willing to give up for Drew Holiday? I'd imagine it'd have to be young guys because that's what the Pelicans are interested in. And probably I put maybe Norm, some picks. bro. I put Norm's trade value right now is, is through the roof. He's high. You might they might have to throw in a TD. I'll, you man, might, man, ha- I, which I'm okay if, with that. If, if I'm getting I'm Drew getting Holiday, Drew in a something. Exactly. I think Drew would hey, fit our system really well. Listen, Pelicans want to trade Drew Holiday and JJ Redick. They're iffy on JJ. They're though. iffy, but listen, when push comes to shove, you're not going to give up any of your young guys. You're going to give up your JJ Redicks. And he's going to want out of there because he has never missed the playoffs in his and career. He wants to compete. And he wants to compete. Yes. He's too old. To, not he old, didn't but miss he's the playoffs? never in his career. Even in early or never days. Never in his career. Wow. And he, when he first came to New Orleans, he told Zion, like, don't F it up for me. Yeah. Now he's injured. So that, that's, a, that's a whole yeah, other story. Yeah, but they're bad. Listen, the Raptors need. Not, not, I mean, they don't need, but it would be amazing to see Masai pull that well, trade off. I mean, off. if we're going to run a two point guard system, anyways, might as well get somebody who's good. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Kyle Lowry. You know how I feel about Kyle Lowry. We're up and down. Kyle about Lowry, Lowry. He was he was good. He did his time in Toronto. Thank you, I appreciate it. But he's not a guy mm-hmm. I want taking 15 shots a night. He's not a guy I want taking 10 threes a night. Yeah, I don't want him to to run my offense. Like I don't. I, I don't want yeah, him. Manage. He's so against and that. I, I love it. And I, I it, no disrespect, but that's just not who he is. And he's got this attitude now. Like I'm a champion. This is my city. It's my team. No Demar. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up and pull from three, or I'm gonna. No, it's a terrible attitude. He's not that player, and it gets him out of his zone. It gets everybody else out of their zone. Mm-hmm. And we saw it especially when he came back from his injury, which I thought he rushed coming back, and it clearly it looked showed like he it, had yeah. a nice three, four-game hangover. Uh, but he took so much away from Pascal because he came on and he was now running the offense. The ball was in his hands. He was taking the shots. One for ten, one for seven. It's just whatever. so frustrating. Three. Like I don't know, Michaela, how do you feel about this whole Kyle Lowry debacle? Am I, am I in the wrong here? Let's trade him. <laughs> I hear you because there's a few times that I watch games and I'm like, seriously, dude, there's still like 42 seconds left on the shot clock and you're shooting this right now with 
<laughs> your face for no reason like no reason yeah so there's definitely that i hear you because i get the same kind of arrogant type vibes combined with bad decisions and selfish looks and it's yeah yeah now i want to also suggest i mean raptors were a bit i think was a was a little bit of an obvious one i think because i mean we see what the raptors need or what they want what we, what we want for the raptors so i'm going to give you a western conference team that i think should trade for Drew, Hol- um, Drew Holiday, Denver Nuggets should trade oh, for Drew Holiday. No way, man. They should give up Gary Harris because he's a scrub. No. I had him on my fantasy. You run a two P- uh, a combo guard with him and Jamal Murray. No way. And man. trust me, that this guy is. Trust me, this guy can fit anywhere. And you want to? It's see- not him. It's Jamal. Jamal is is the guy. Trust me, he won't take away from Jamal though. He will. I don't think so. He I don't think he'll take away will. from Jamal. I doubt it. I don't. I don't think. And he's a defender. And you think he's Gary Harris is poo. Sure, he, Bro, but he's, he's he definitely a good defender. He's and they like having him on the team. But no. style of play like that is not the spot. Like, who's gonna play up. the two? You do a combo. Him and Jamal. Jamal, Man, play. Jamal no, is a combo. Jamal isn't really a point guard. He's keys, a sco- bro. Jamal's a scorer, bro. They just gave Jamal the keys. The keys Have are still his. For Kitchener, the Waterloo. <laughs> bro, you know what's in that water, man? Yeah, we do know <laughs> what's in that top water. It's hella weird. I don't know. Mikhail, I don't know if you've ever been to Waterloo, but do don't, not drink don't top go. water. Don't even go. Weird, weird <laughs> stuff happens. I don't know what the hell's going on over Mikhail, there. Mikhail, what do you think about Drew to the to the Nuggets? Honestly, I don't know enough about the Nuggets to 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 answer so, that do you know jamal murray the canadian point yeah, guard i do i do yeah and i mean i'm watching drew highlights right now <laughs> <laughs> um and i mean he's a solid combo guard i could see a solid two guard front but i don't really know what the rest of that roster looks like to be yeah. on it i i don't know about that one that one is it could work but that one's a bit of a stretch he would def- if i had to really sorry go ahead go ahead sorry i totally interrupted he would totally take looks away from jamal murray though yeah, absolutely. He would just because Jamal Murray is a guy who needs reps to get in the game. That's just who he is. He's become that player. He's not gonna. He's not a good off the ball player. In my and opinion. the style, yeah, the style he's of shots that he's that. taking is all self created. You know who would and... really use him? Dallas. Are you serious? Yeah, of course. Take the ball away from Luca. No, well, they already run a combo guard with Brunson. Just bring Brunson off the bench. Have yeah, Drew a Holiday. Who has all the two. possessions? Luca. Yeah, that's fine. So he runs. So Luca exactly passes the ball more than Jamal Murray. Luca doesn't need the ball to get to get his rhythm. Yeah, He's but Luca's like passing the Luca's passing the ball the to get assists. Lucas passing the ball to get assists. He's handling the ball watch, always. You gotta right? watch it. You gotta watch it. We'll see. We'll see or, where he goes. Or Phoenix instead of Rubio, but that's too. Late. I mean, no, it's too late. They invested that, that in Rubio. That would have been a nice one. But I'm looking now through the conference. Like a lot of teams are stocked up on. on I mean, on, Sacramento could use him. I don't want him to go to Sacramento. They're seventh. I don't want that for him. They're in playoffs right now. I know, but I want him to contend. Utah instead of Conley. That would be nice. Conley's That'll be nice. Conley's been very disappointing this year. That would be nice. But who yeah. are you going to give up? It's about also who you're going to give up. you got to give up young assets. Yeah. That's what the Pelicans want. And they have David Griffin as, as their GM. Who, sure. He gets good deals done. So yeah. Before uh, before we wrap it up, Michaela, I just want to say I saw you on the weekend. You were at a 905 game? Yes. Tell me about that. How was that? It was good. My, um, my friend coaches for them. She's the junior coach with them. She uh, We played together on the national team back in high school. And just kind of kept in touch throughout the years. So I went and checked her out. Um, they're good. They're impressive. A lot of talent on that team. Um, a little bit disappointing to see them kind of fizzle out and lose in the last five minutes or yeah. eight minutes of the of the fourth. But um, I think a lot of that comes from 
like we said earlier, too many big names on a roster. And just they just picked up that Justin Anderson guy too, right? He's yeah. he's been yeah. on the roster for a couple yeah. of games. He's playing pretty well. Yeah, he didn't do too much uh, on on Saturday, but Wumi did okay. mention him, and she said uh, he's usually solid. He just had a tough game this, today. But, so, how long has your friend been uh, been coaching on the nine hundred five for? Since this year, she just started. Um, so she just started. I was gonna say. So she, did she ever coach? Uh, like, so she's probably seen like Boucher. I don't know. Boucher's on the roster now, though. Yeah, I don't. Boucher I, was really in the team last year. Yeah, I don't know if he's been with them at all. Um, yeah. We got to get your friend on the pod, though. That would be awesome. Talk yeah, to her about that. That would be so Love cool. this. 100%. I'll set it up. Oh, let's do yeah. it. I'll take your word for it, then. Yeah, 100%. She'll- all right. So so you were you were checking out the 905. Do you, do you find yourself there all the time, or is that something that you just, you know, checking it out here and there? Because I'm sure it's – Honestly, I talk about this all the time. A lot of people underrate the G League. It's good basketball. It's right under professional basketball. Yeah. It's right under the NBA. Like, yep. it's not going to get better than that anywhere other than the NBA. And if it's well coached and you got players that are willing to play together, it's definitely good basketball, 100%. Um, I, I go as, I mean, that was my first time going this season, but I mean, I'm, I have no reason not to go, right? It's not too far from my house, and I get tickets from her, so I'm about to be in there. Come through if you oh, want. <laughs> Definitely. Yo, that's like I'm ten, doing yeah, that. That's, that's like 10 minutes away from where we are, so we're good. Perfect. We're good. But, Michaela, thank you so, so much, honestly, for taking the time yeah. out um, to, you know, kick it with us. We're obviously, you know, honored to have a Canadian basketball alleged, legend. Alleged. Alleged <laughs> in, our, in our presence, uh, legend, player, and coach. Um are you actually are you still coaching right now? Doing any work with the kids for for basketball, anything like that? Not so much right now, uh, but I am looking into some different options. So okay, nice. yeah, cool. So we're we're wishing you all the best, and uh, thank you. Anytime you want to come back on and kick it, we're here. We'd love to have you on. And uh, sorry, what was your friend's name again that you mentioned? The coach. <laughs> what was your name? Wumi. W U M I. Wumi. 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 W-U-M. Okay, well, Wumi, Wumi. if you're listening we're to this, looking for you. this is our direct invitation <laughs> to hop on the pod and answer some of the questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd love to kick it. Uh, thank you so much again, Michaela. We, we really do appreciate it. Yep. And uh, and thank you guys for listening. We're obviously uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Everywhere. and everything in between. So mm-hmm. you know where to find us. Uh, check us out. We'll be back. Our next one is going to be the final one for 2019. It's also going to be our anniversary podcast celebrating the one one year year, uh and to wrap up the decade so that should be a good time Mm -hmm. uh so we'll we'll get back at you guys after christmas so to everybody listening merry christmas merry christmas and if you don't celebrate and say happy holidays well um, plug your ears merry christmas Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) thank you again and uh michael i'll see you around okay yeah 100 percent. thanks for having me take care yep bye guys